This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. So what exactly is the show about? It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Come on, side, side, side. There we go. Come on, son. It's the podcast, and it's my 200th episode of my podcast. And I want to thank Combat Jack, as usual, for getting me into this podcasting in the first place. But I thought for my 200th episode, I would do something very, very special. And this is special to me because these are the guys that had a large part in molding my life and shaping my life and helping me to become the media person that I am. And we had a lot of good years together doing a lot of great things. So ladies and gentlemen out there listening to the Kibbutz Podcast, welcome T-Money and Dr. Dre. You! What's up? What's What's good? How you guys doing? T, how are you, sir? I am doing well, my friend. And how are you? I'm doing good, brother. Doc, how are you, sir? Hey, man, I'm just searching, searching to find the one. I feel you, brother. <laughs> you sound like the rest of us. Let me, let me start off by asking you uh, uh, both a question, and you can, you can uh, answer it individually um, or collectively, if you like. I don't know if y'all know each other's brains like that. How did you two meet? How did y'all meet each other? Let's take this back before you're on TV raps. So who should, who should start, me or Dre? Let me, uh, let me take it. So... I was in a special a special class. This lady named Miss Bundy, our fifth grade class in in elementary school. I, Did I you met say special Ms. class? No, I said I was in a special class, not special class. Not special class. Special because it was me. It was me. It was you. It was a bunch of people. We had a nice class going. We had things happening. Miss <clears throat> Bundy, I think she taught English. Am I correct? So no, Miss Bundy just taught fifth grade class. We weren't broken up in fifth grade. We were still in one class at a time. Well, I'm glad for, I'm glad that you corrected that because I can't remember that far back. So this, is why, we're both, this is why hey, we're both answering the question. We special class. So let's go back to Miss Bundy. <laughs> well, you you know you you've been in special class for quite some time, but we won't get into Absolutely. that. <laughs> but anyway, listen. So we met in fifth grade at the, the, the summit up. We had a class project that we had to put together, and we exchanged gifts. And since then, we've been best of friends. Dr. Dre, how'd you meet T-Money? I know you got a different version. Uh, but it is definitely, because it definitely wasn't a special class. We went, we were in fifth grade at a school, fifth and sixth uh, grade school called Park Avenue. And T's right, we, we exchanged Christmas presents in Ms. Bundy's class. And the thing about it was, T was always very cool, calm, and collected. We picked our names out of a hat. And me, I just loved to get involved with all the little girls at the time. And they used to just beat me up. So that's how we met. <laughs> okay, so y'all met in the, in the fifth or sixth grade now. Um, T, when you met Dre, was he Dr. Dre yet, or was he Andre? Oh, he was just, he was Andre Andre Brown. That's who he was. And, and how, did, how did you come about the moniker uh, Dre of Dr. Dre? Well, that's simple. Um, it had to do with playing basketball. Ed. I used to go to all the New York Nets games at the uh, Nassau Coliseum in Uniondale. And I eventually became a ball boy for the New York Nets, who became champions of the ABA. And there was one player that was outstanding who came from Roosevelt, Long Island, named Julius Dr. J. Irving. So I emulated my basketball style 
after him. So as we went into junior high and we were coming up with names and I'm playing basketball, I just adopted the name Dr. Dre from playing basketball. From from Dr. J of, of, of course, NBA Hall of Famer Dr. Dre. And T Money, yes. how did you come up with the name T Money? And were there any other names before T Money? Uh, yeah, there was a name <laughs> that I hated. I, I used to be called Cool Kels T. Yo, that was you my made DJ that up. name. <laughs> uh, yo, but I had no other choice. I, was like, I didn't make that name. Oh, somebody gave me. They called me Kelsey because I played sports, and they called me Kels for my last name all right. the time. Kel, Kels. So I said, well, let me see if Cool Kels T worked. That did not get over with the chicks. That was not working. So That's I had to name. change it to something current, which was okay. Let's see what happens. So at the time, everybody was called Money. You know, D money, C money. So I just, right. I just decided to name myself T money. And I, it, that stuck, actually. So it worked and out for me. Again, once again, I love T's memory, but a little off. T got this belt buckle. Remember when you used to get the belt buckles with the with the letters and you and you know you put on? And he got this this shiny buckle and put T money on it. And everybody thought that was so cool. But when we went to get the sweatshirts on Jamaica Avenue. He put Cool Kels T on the back, which I always thought it was kind of cool because I said, Cool Kels T, interesting. That was a T Money belt buckle. You let me tell you get, something. A name, a moniker is personal. A moniker is a personal thing. And that so was not working at the end of the day. So I decided to change it. Yeah. That's, why yeah. I got three, That's why I got the name belt T Money off the avenue. You remember Ed, the ones with the frames and shit? Yeah, I had one, one that said, I had one that said Eddie D on. Absolutely. That's right. That's, yep. I, you know, I was rocking that today. And then I had the one, the, the short one that just had the dollar sign. I had a right. lot of them shit, you know? Rock them in your lead jeans. I, I was, I stayed fresh, you know me. I had I one of those belt buckles. Fresh when day. I went to snap it together, it popped off and all the letters fell out. <laughs> so I said, this isn't going to work. <laughs> so Dre, you had, the, you had the cheesy version of the belt buckle, huh? That's right. No, I, I, I just wore a sweatshirt. Okay. All right. So, so had, cool Kels T. Cool Kels T developed into T Money and Andre Brown developed into Dr. Dre. When did you guys start DJing together? When did you guys start forming groups and DJing together? Well, I'll let Dre take the helm on this one. Then I'll 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 come back after him. Well, and I had a whole plethora of names before I got to Dr. Dre as a DJ. Because back in the day, and you might remember this, everybody used to put DJ in front of your last name or your first name or your middle name. So in the beginning, I was called DJ Brown. And I was like, that's that's not DJ Brown. I kept no, trying to DJ make that No, DJ Brown work. don't sound too good. No, see how, see how that works? See how that works? DJ and, Brown and it, was not what you wanted, right? So you changed and, it, and, see? And the crazy part is I put it on a T-shirt and somebody said, yo, DJ Brown. I said, that's not working. T-shirt going away. I started DJing uh, with my cousin, uh, Warren. You know, RIP to him. Um, loved him. He used to be a part of one of the biggest DJ groups in Westbury who used to DJ at the Kizura Youth Center. And the guy's name was called Donovan. But, you know, as everything goes, guys break up for whatever reasons or Donovan was going off and my cousin was getting ready to become a Marine. So he said, yo, you need to DJ. Come on, let's start DJing. So I went and I got some Lafayette turntables, 1200s. They were called, they were these brown belt-driven turntables and a Lafayette mixer with a knob that you use as a crossfade. And it had six mic channels. And that's how I started DJing. But then I started hanging out with all these other DJs 
around the way, my man Stanley Bull, um, Andre Williams, uh, let's see, ooh. And my brother Fred was a DJ, but he was in college at the time. But he had two turntables like that. We used to take the stereo and use the switch, the A and B switch, and put one turntable on A and the other turntable on B. So when you went to switch between records, you basically guessed going click, 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 back and forth. So T was trying to DJ and he got himself some speakers and he actually got some technique, turntable, some belt driven, to, I think they were called 220s, T? Yeah, that was the 220s, you got it. They were the 220s and he had a Newmark mixer. And I was like, wow. And T came over my house one day and he's like, yo, what are these? I said, it's my turntables. He said, Dre, you can't DJ like that. Let me tell you the backstory on that. That was with the worst turntables. As a matter of fact, I don't think you had matching turntables. There were two different sets, right? No, so, no. The first ones were two different ones. Yeah, two but different ones. But they were the ones, ones where when, you, when the needle went too far, it would automatically go back. So then <laughs> I, went, I went, my father <laughs> took me to Lafayette. That wasn't, wasn't going to work, man. So we kept spinning the record, the turntable real fast so the needle would stay in place. So, so my let me, father went and he thought he was on the cutting edge. I said, dad, I need some techniques. And he said, I'll take you to get some techniques. And he said, yeah, pick these out. And that's before, how I got the Lafayette. Those were better before, before, before I had the 220s. I used to, do you ever see, you had the, Ed, in your house, did you ever have the home stereo that, that, that doubled as like the TV? Yeah, TV and stereo system, yeah. My, my man, I, I DJed on that as one turntable, and I had the other turntable on top of it with the volume control. That's how I, I DJed in my house for parties and my mother and them. It was crazy. And then my father said, you can't keep doing this. You want to DJ, I'll help you. So he purchased me, you know, my father's a hardworking man. So he purchased me the 220s and the Newmont mixer. So I thought I was fly. I was in a group called Warp Factor 2. Do you remember Warp Factor 2? Yep. With Kevin yeah. Shoulders Meeks. Kevin Meeks. <laughs> Mr. Shoulders. And his crew that I wound up having beef with. I, I snuffed one of the kids and then I left that group. And War I got with Factor Drake. two. Now, how War old are we? How old are we talking around this time? Oh man, what are we in? Oh wow, we're, we're, in, we're in early eighth junior grade? high, like eighth grade. Eighth grade, eighth grade, right. Eighth, eighth grade. grade. And yeah. right, right around the time I was your... carrying records for Master Sounds and Keith Sapphire. Exactly. Right around that time when you had to really kind of do something before you can get down with a crew. Now, Drake, oh, let's yeah. take it back to this mixer you have. You said you had a knob mixer. That wouldn't happen to have been a GLI mixer, would it? No, not the GLI. This was a Lafayette. I told you my father took me to Lafayette, <laughs> which used to be a big electronics store. This gave you everything Lafayette, huh? Listen, huh? GLI was fancy, and he had nothing fancy. So, Dre, yeah. the, first time, the first time you heard, you saw a mixer, with a, or even DJ, let's say DJ on a mixer with Q control, where you can hear the other side while one side's playing. Was that T Money's mixer that he brought over? His new Marks mixer? No, no. My first mixer was a Lafayette mixer. You could you could hear back and forth, but it was switches rather than a slide fade. Yeah. Don't oh, okay. Slide yeah, fade was the switch. microphone. Yeah, the, the, new the, the, the new Mark mixer had the slide fade and the slide Q. You the could slide cross fade. Yeah. yeah. And what, what I used to take the knob which I kept that mixer for the longest too. And it worked, it worked. It was a mic, it was technically a mic mixer, but it had two auxiliaries, which you could plug your turntables into. So my father, because we went to Crazy Eddie, <laughs> Crazy Eddie, 
and we prices were are insane. That's yep. right, prices were insane. And when my father saw the price of buying turntables and a mixer, he said, no, 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 that's not gonna happen. So he went to Lafayette and he saw turntables and this mixer. And the guy was like, oh, super, super salesman. And you know how when you, your father's taking you there and you're looking at it going, dad, this, this, isn't, this isn't right. This isn't what, what they're DJing with. Oh no, what do you know? It's two turntables. It works just fine. And the guy was like over exuberant on the sale because it was also over exuberant about being cheap. So <laughs> I got that. And like I said, I said, I have to make it work. I wouldn't say cheap. I would just say that at that time they had families to feed and they weren't making a whole lot of money and they were doing the best that they can. So we kind of got Ed, the best that they can, right? That's Ed, right. That's my father right. was being cheap. He okay, all right. You know cheap. your dad better. You know your dad That's better than right. I do, bro. So tell me something. Let's, let's, let's speed it up a little bit from, from uh, DJ Brown and Cool Kels T to now Dr. Dre and T-Money from, um, what is it called of the group? Team Warp, Warp Factor 2. Warp Factor 2. How did original concept come into play? Oh, that's still a long ways away. Because we had, when we became concept, the really concept, concept crew, we were about 12 crew. different iterations from the concept till we got in high school. What happened was um, everybody on the block wanted to DJ because we, like you said, you used to carry records to Keith Sadler. I had a half a crate of records. T had another quarter crate of records. And we were carrying stereo systems around. To DJ with, so let me tell. You, hold on, let me, want me to cut you off, Jeff. Let me tell at this one quick story, right? Our first, our first party that we DJed, which was a couple, was a couple blocks away from Dre's crib, right? We had like, the, how many records did we have, Dre? Like seven, eight records, and we played the same record the whole night. Remember <laughs> Hot Shot? We I'll played Karen Hot Shot, Young Shot. Yo, no, yeah, that, we played, we played the same record the whole night because we didn't have no other records. <laughs> I like to applaud y'all, man, because at the top, I that ran around it. with Keith Sadler and Master Sounds, who lived around the corner from me. And Keith had about 25, 30 crates of records, and that was our <laughs> job to load all the records up. So applaud to you oh. gentlemen for playing a party oh. with seven records. We had seven records, yep. bro. And the funny thing we had, we had, we had Spoonie G, we had that record, <laughs> Hot Shock, and everybody liked that. We played it every other fucking time. It's Hot Shock. <laughs> And then we didn't have no slip mats. That shit just fucking was winning. Oh, he was ill. That's we Karen. I think, I think the young lady there was Karen Young, wasn't it? It was Karen oh, yeah, Young. Yes. Like that. Yeah, on a gray and, gray and red label. I remember that yeah, gray, song. Yeah, gray, gray and black yep. or gray and red. Yeah. Gray and black and gray and red label. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so going fast forward, as we, we started to progress, T came over and said, you can't use these rubber mats. You got to get a slip mat. And we got some material. And T cut it out on a 12-inch. And he put it on there, and I started going, "Whoa, this is better than what we were doing." Because now right. the record's not gripping to the turntable, <clears throat> so we started practicing, going back and forth to each other's house. T had the two twenties at his house. I had that, and I had them on my desk—not my desk, my dresser—in my bedroom. And I was accumulating records every time my brother came home from college. That's when we used to have a whole bunch of records, because my brother had about twelve crates of records. So when he went to school. He couldn't take them all, and then you get mad. Don't touch my records. Oh, absolutely. Don't take them out of my house. Yes. You know, you weren't allowed you know, to and you know what happens with records that. for sure. You know what you do with that? Just that. You take the hot records and you bring them back. <laughs> absolutely. You might bring them back scratch too. So let's it, let's well, jump forward to the let's jump forward to the concept crew. 
Um, I'm assuming by the time you guys got to the concept crew, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you already established as Dr. Dre and you were already team money. Absolutely. No, we still didn't use Dr. Dre Absolutely. as a DJ. And we, I don't, well, I, no, he was Cool Kels T for a I, period. I wasn't Cool Kels T in the original concept. It was T Money. Yeah, it was T Money. And you were Dr. Concept. Dre. The original concept was when we got signed to Def Jam. That's what right. happened with original concept. That, yeah. That's the part I'm trying to get to. We only got like 40 minutes on here, so we can't tell. <laughs> I know. We can talk about right, some of it for the book. So let's go from uh, the concept crew to original concept. You were saying there was a lot of different dudes in the concept crew. How did y'all narrow that down to original concept? Because, because you always needed, as you just said, you need people to help carry the equipment. So all the crew really did was carry the equipment. So eventually, T and I, we got some equipment. We got some real speakers. I got these things called JM Moore speakers. T had this other uh, speaker, I think it was Shore speakers, T? Yeah, Shore speakers, and then we we built a pair. We tried to we, we build built a pair, a pair of speakers. And we, then yes. we, we made, made a whole section, and next thing you know, we were the concept, because I went to my science teacher, Mr. Corbett, and I said, what would be a good idea for a group name, a concept for a logo? And he kept going, aha, and pointing to his head. And we came with this logo, as a lightning bolt going through a, um, a, uh, a light bulb. And we made a big giant, like a, not a poster, what would you call that, T? A- um, Step and repeat or a, black, a backdrop? Yeah, a big backdrop. It was a big backdrop we made that way before that. people were doing it today. You know, we had a big backdrop with the logo on the front of it. It was crazy. Okay. And then T's, uh, father, but... built, T's father built the coffin and we, we used the coffin, painted it black. And we were the first ones around the area, walking around with two turntables and the mixer in this coffin. In our area, actually... let's keep it 100, because we, we got that idea from um, um, Keith Shockley and Bomb Squad, because they had, no, no. They had I, a we coffin. We got that idea from Music Mind. Music well, Mind. Music Mind did, Break... did, well, well I, I remember it as we got it from Keith and them, because they had a coffin. Their coffin was sick. They had the, let me tell you something, they had the coffin with the barricade already around it, the lights show. They were, they were ridiculous, man, but anyway. Come on, son. Now, this may be hard to believe, y'all, but I am not a morning person. I know. I run a morning show in Chicago. I know on the weekends I'm on the radio in Atlanta in the morning. Everything that I do, I usually do in the morning. Literally all of my business get handled right around sunrise. But you know what? There's one place that has the power to turn me into a morning person, and that is McDonald's. Something about the smell of hash browns in one hand while cuffing my bacon, egg, and cheese biscuit ever so gently in the other as I smother in a grape jelly that gives me the boost I need to conquer the day. The mix of sweet and savory plus a big old swig of orange juice to wash it all down is my true definition of eating good. So if you're like me, struggling to push through the morning, order ahead on the app and stop by your local McDonald's today and get that early a.m. dose of delicious you need to help you defeat the morning sleepies. App download and registration required. If you're looking for an adventure with the family, NerdWallet can help you take the first steps towards making your dream a reality. Start earning points towards a much-deserved trip by using NerdWallet to compare and find credit cards that pack big travel rewards. Because why not turn everyday purchases into an unforgettable experience? And maybe that vacation made you realize you're ready for a place with a bit more space. NerdWallet can help you compare rates to find the smartest mortgage lender for you. And now that you're feeling settled in your new home, wouldn't it be nice to spend less time watching your investments and more time with family? NerdWallet can help you compare and find financial advisors to take the lead on expanding your portfolio while you take the lead on fort building. Whatever you're dreaming of, 
NerdWallet makes it easy to compare the smartest financial products side by side. Compare and find the smartest financial products for you on NerdWallet. NerdWallet is not an investment advisor nor an investment broker. Information is for educational purposes only. Have you ever seen a vitamin water display at your local store? It's like walking into an actual rainbow. Is it me or are the flavors of vitamin water insanely attractive? Plus, with titles like Energy, Revive, Focus, Refresh, Essential, Power C, and Triple X, it's easy to pick a flavor to match your vibe. The real flex is flavor. Don't forget to check out the newest flavors, Gutsy Watermelon Peach and Look Blueberry Hibiscus. Come on, son. What the fuck is the deal? Come on, son. But let's Moving jump forward. into original concept. Original and concept. That name right. went from the concept to original concept. We were on the air at WBAU at Adelphi University with Mr. Bill Stephanie, with uh, Hank Shockley, uh, Wizard KJ, Keith Shockley, yeah. Butch Cassidy, and of course, Chucky D, AKA Chuck D, Chuck and D. the one and only MC DJ Flavor Flav. Flavor Flav. Yeah, and we were doing radio on Saturdays, Sundays, and Mondays at BAU. And we started doing these radio promos called It's Great to Be Here, which eventually became Can You Feel It? Then we did this crazy um, uh, radio promo called Knowledge Me by the most illness B-Boys. And um, I got a chance to re meet Rick Rubin and I started playing with some of the groups that we were playing at BAU. And he just loved Knowledge Me, he thought it was hysterical. And from there, we signed as the group, The Concept, to be on Def Jam. Okay, so original concept got signed to Def Jam. Do you remember exactly how much money each one of y'all walked away with off that contract? Nothing. <laughs> there was no front money? <clears throat> yeah, we did. But we had to pay to the lawyer to negotiate the contract. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't we get a lot of money. We got $1,000, and he, he billed us $999.75. Let me tell you we something back then. Dre, excuse me. Let me tell you back then, you didn't get a lot of money for upfront money. There was no upfront money. You were happy. We were young. We were happy to get a deal. You know, we were on Def Jam. I mean, keep in mind, LL was coming after us. You know, VCs were there. Teela Rock was there. You know, we were just happy to have a deal. You know what yeah. I mean? It was good. You know what I mean? This is so, early, early Def Jam days before. Yeah, we were, right. We were, we were, we were signed as the group. concept, though, Ed. We weren't signed as original concept. There original. was another group that came out when I was pressing Rick. We need to put this record out. And we saw this record called The Concept because we were in a DJ pool. So I saw tons and tons and tons of records all the time. And I said, dude, we got to put this out. So it was MCA, the late MCA from the Beastie Boys, who said, well, you guys should be original concept. Yep. And he, he named it original yep, concept. I really MCA. hated it. I said, it doesn't make sense, but it stuck. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely stuck. And how, and how long were you guys uh, signed to Def Jam before that deal? washed away. Were you still signed when we started your TV raps? Yes, yeah, still absolutely. signed. We, absolutely. Matter of fact, when we did your TV raps, we had just came back from Europe on the Don't Wait Good Clothes tour because we just released the first album straight from the basement of Cooley High. We took we took Latifah out on our first tour. Her, yes. DJ Mark, the 45 King, they, we, they were out with us. And who else, we uh, Germany. Who else was on that, who else was on that tour? Uh, Sugar Bear. Um, from from uh, EU? No, no another no, sugar no. bear from Queens. No, from Queens. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't think I know this sugar bear. Maybe yeah, I need sugar to sugar bear it out. from Queens. He had a record out. And oh, don't we, we also, of mine. Yeah. Now, hey, here's a bit of history that you may not know. 
Guess who opened for us in England on this tour? Moni. Well, no, we met Moni there. We met Moni. I'll yeah. give you. I'll give you a good hint. South Bronx. South South Bronx. The South Mighty Carers one. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yep. He he opened, and it was the crazy thing was he came out and he tore the place down, and we looked at each other, and we said, Nah, we ain't going out like that. And we came out and did a show and tore the place down. And we're like, wow. And it made him go, man, you guys, because I had interviewed um, Chris and Scott LaRock at BAU. And that's how I we knew them. And uh, when he saw us, they said, I didn't know you guys got down like that. He said, yeah, man, we get down. We get down. So when you and guys, got, when you guys, you guys are at Def Jam before Public Enemy. Yeah. Yes, I, I got were. Public Enemy signed to Def Jam because while I was uh, DJing with the Beastie Boys and we were going on and doing gigs with that, we would do tape battles. They would play Aerosmith, Led Zeppelin, and I would play all these BAU groups. And they heard Public Enemy number one, which was a BAU promo because um, Chuck got mad because we were doing a gig one time and the guy came to stick, to stick us up at Rockville Center. Remember that, T? Yep. So sure when Chuck got mad, he went back and put it down on the pad. He gave everybody something that, you know, you never had. So we went back in the studio with Keith, and they came with Public Enemy Number One. And okay. that was a BAU promo. That was a WBAU promo. Okay, yeah, so WBAU promo. Before so let's, let's, jump, let's jump fast forward a little bit and start talking about um, the show that changed all of our lives, um, the show called Yo! MTV Raps. Dre, how did you get connected to Peter to become one of the people I was considered for your TV raps? I knew Peter back in the Beastie Boys days because Peter was, Peter was always hanging out with us. Uh, when I was DJing gigs for them, I'd, I would always see Peter there and he would always talk to us, but I didn't know Peter worked at MTV. Okay. So when I came back from the Raising Hell tour with, Raise, with um, Run DMC, I was DJing at a party for a guy named Beaver and Jessica, um, what's the woman's name? Jessica Rosenblum. And Peter came up to me and he said, hey, hey, Dre, how you doing? And my good late friend Ozzy was with me. And he said, um, you see this thing called uh, Young TV Raps? And at that time, they had just done the pilot. And I think they did one or two episodes with Fab. And he said, would you mind coming to the office? I want to talk to you about it. So he gave me his card. And Peter's card, the only thing that made, made it stand out to me, it said MTV, but it had this shamrock on it. So I kind of laughed and said, well, this guy's not from MTV. I don't believe it. So I used to work at Rhythm Method Management, which was at the time, uh, Public Enemy, Red Alert, and Original Concepts Management. Uh, and uh, I went and I showed Ron Spola. Queen Latifah was there too. Excuse me? Queen Latifah was there too. He was managed by Ron Scola. He had a whole okay. list of people. Okay. Yeah, I remember and him. My good, my yeah. good friend uh, Dave, the late great Dave Funkenklein, was there. We used to sit by this counter and, you know, work. So I asked Ron, do you think I should call him? And I called Peter. And MTV was right around the corner from uh, Rhythm Method. So I walked to the office with my deaf jacket on, trying to be impressive. And Peter invited me in. But the first thing I, I saw, and Ed, you can attest to this. When you first walked to the MTV in those days, 
I walked up on the floor and the first thing I looked for was black people. And I kept looking around and I kept looking and I saw these two black guys. Well, well really one was a, a Latin guy and I, I assumed the other guy was black and they were emptying garbage cans. I said, oh, well, I know I'm not gonna be working here. So that's how I met Peter. Did you did you and uh, Peter sit down and discuss what what they were looking for for your on TV raps? Yeah, for a long time. I remember like I went back about two or three times when okay. um, we started because I remember I was working right around the corner. So Peter would invite me to lunch and say, "Hey man, come on up, let's talk." But we were talking more about Beastie Boy stuff, and he said, well, "What do you think about this um, your on TV raps thing?" And I said, "You know, I think Fab is okay." But I said, "But it needs some segments that are going to be a little, you know." It should be a little lively, a little fun. And he said, well, okay, well, you think you can do it? You think you can show me what you're talking about? And I said, yeah, <clears throat> I could do that. And I said, you know, I got a guy, you know, we works in television and film, goes to NYU, no NY, and New York Institute of Technology. And man, we do this all the time. And I'm, you know, just lying my butt off. And he said, okay, well, let me see you do it. <laughs> so right then, then you put on the spot. So I came back. And I told T about it, I said, we gotta shoot something. So we skull searching together and came up with this idea to do things about haircuts at a barbershop. So we went back to um, um, Reverend Jackson's barbershop in Hempstead. It was in Hempstead, right T? Yes, it was. And we went to do it and I forgot who was supposed to be in the chair to do the talking part. And he didn't show up. And then Peter came up. out. Uh-huh. He never showed up. I forgot who it was. He never was. showed up. So Peter said, come on, guys, I got to go. So I jumped in the chair and I did the segment and T shot the segment. Peter took the tape and went back to MTV. He called me on Monday. He said, can you come in? I want to talk to you. He, I come in and he says, hey, man, what would you think about hosting your own TV raps? I said, what? He said, yeah, what do you, what do you think about it? I said, but you got fab. What are you talking about? And I remember the Run DMC pilot episode from the Nassau Coliseum because I'm on stage wearing that Def Jam jacket introducing Public Enemy. And I said, are you, are you for real? He said, yeah, why don't you think about it? So I went back and I talked to Chuck, T, Keith, Hank, and everybody said, well, what do you think? You think I should do this? And everyone said, nah, man, I don't know. It's MTV. They don't really have any black people on there. But I wanted to meet downtown Julie Brown. And I didn't care anything about it. I just wanted to meet her, you know, in person. So Chuck was sitting behind the desk at 510 South Franklin. He said, Dre, go ahead, man. What, what we got to lose? T, like T, T, what did you first hear about your own TV rounds? And what did you think? Well, I heard about it, you know, to piggyback over Dre's experience. I, hit, I heard it. I heard about this show from him. Mm -hmm. And then when, um, when I realized that he was going to, be actually hosting the show, you know, I, um, as you know, very well, I, um, I went to, up to MTV with him most of the time, you know, when you guys were shooting early, I was behind, you know, I was, you know, behind right. the scenes, seeing what was going to happen because at the time they, um, they picked Dre and they were actually coupling him with you. So I was like, okay, you know, cause myself and Dre, we, we did everything together. We were in the city together. We DJ together. We, right. The record pool runs together. You know, we did this whole, you know, we were in a group together. So it, it was honestly, initially it was kind of awkward, 
You understand? Right. It, was, it was kind of awkward because I was like, okay, now Dre's doing this and he's doing it with somebody else, you know? Like the scorn woman, like, oh shit, man! So you got you got new, you got somebody else, motherfucker. Right. I didn't, I didn't, I, I had heard you guys' show on BU um, a few times because it was it was kind of crazy. God, we only got ten minutes left, guys. Um, oh, it was yeah. kind of crazy, but um, you know, I didn't, I've never met you guys before. You know what right. I mean? Um, right. And right. I met Dre. I remember meeting you, Dre, when I came in to talk to actually do something on tape with Ted. That's the first time I met you. And then right. Ted brought Dre and I in the office and I was asking Dre about his background. He was like, yeah, I'm Jamaican. And I remember we did the Jamaican thing on tape. We, we, Ted had those Jamaican wigs on his um, hat yeah. or yeah. coat rack. Right, and, and we, we put did. the Jamaican wigs on and we did something on tape. And uh, Ted had the foresight to take it back to MTV and say, yo, I want to do something different than Fab. Fab was like, you know, y'all know. Fab was by himself on the road all the time. They wanted to do a right. studio and show. That's the, way he, that's the way he liked it. Yeah. That's the yeah. Way he wanted. And he and wanted Ted to do the we kind of studio and, show. Laurel and Hardy type of thing. And um we lasted we lasted for a, a long time. And since I only got 10 minutes left with you guys on the Zoom, and I would love to do a part two of this. I'll ask you this. If you look back on it, Dre, what's your favorite memory of your own TV raps? I have the whole thing because Yo MTV Raps, uh, for me, was the televised version of what we were doing at PAU. And one of the best experiences of my life in entertainment was meeting you. And us, mm -hmm. I'll never forget walking down the hall and seeing you sit there and you had the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the blonde in your hair with the Gumby haircut. And I said, oh crap, I'll never make it on MTV now. There's a skinny black guy He's gonna get the job. And then I went in to do audition tape with Ted and walked back down to uh to Peter's office. And then that's when Ted called us both in. Our greatest experiences, I think everything we did, we took so many chances. And the one thing I have to say, we were blessed doing all three of us. We said we were not gonna change who we were to be on MTV. And that's what made it so successful. Absolutely. So it's hard to it's hard to point at like. James Brown, Tupac, uh, Pam Greer, Howard Stern, Mel Bobby Gibson, Brown. Shaquille right. O'Neal, right. Bobby Brown, and say, oh, those were the greatest moments. Sometimes yep. some of the greatest young TV Gibson, rap shows was just us on the set and yeah. the Luminator. Carol so, King, uh, T-Money, how about uh, you, my brother? You know, up to be honest, this is going to sound really corny, but what Dre said, you know, ditto. Um, the whole experience was was life-changing for me, to be quite honest with you. Um, and I, I would have never changed anything. I wouldn't change anything that happened. I mean, we we worked very well together, man. And, you know, I, I gained it. I mean, me and Dre have been friends since fifth grade and I, and I gained another brother through Ed. Um, you know, like I say, every time when I get interviewed for these podcasts and radio shows, I say, you know, you would think that me and Dre would always hang out when we go on the road, but I, I wound up hanging out with you more than I hung out with Dre. Like you were like my second brother, man. And real talk, um, the experience was, you know, was life changing, man. I wouldn't have changed it hey, for the world. Can I jump in just one quick second before you hang up? Yeah, go ahead, Dre. The, one of the best, craziest experiences when you and Ted convinced me to paint a number one on my belly for our <laughs> first spring break. And you lied to me. You said, come on, Trey. I already talked to Julie Brown for you. You good, man. You in, you in. Just do this. And we all going to blow up. <laughs> that was, that was spring break, brother. That, one, that first spring break. 
That was spring yeah. break, and spring break was special, I, I, I think, to all of us because you guys remember uh, Bethune Cookman College. Those black kids weren't coming to spring break at all because they felt like it was nothing no. important. You guys yeah, remember we went and we had we the flyers there. made up, and we yeah. took those flyers and we plastered it all around that college, yeah. and they had never That's seen. Right that many black people. I think that was the first year we was doing Yom TV raps live from spring break. And they had- Oh, that was when we went to Daytona Beach. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's we right. went from the Tex, the Texarkana, and we went to the Marriott, I think, at that time. Yeah. And that was the but first listen, one. But listen, for real talk, if I have to pick one, one particular instance that I, I thought was like the most incredible instance, I think uh -huh. the day that I came out as the real Michael Jackson, and neither one of you knew what was happening. Yeah, that was that was pretty that was pretty amazing stuff for me too. And he wrote that's he wrote the reel on the back of his his uh with the A track hanging off off the road. That was funny. That was absolutely hilarious, man. So so many great memories. Um, if you guys could could have had one wish for for your TV rap, something that didn't happen, what would your wish have been? For for it never to be canceled. You know, we could have went on for another 10 years, you know? How about you, Dre? The one wish I, I had for Yom TV Raps is that we should have done a movie called the Yom TV Raps movie with a whole bunch of clips and artists and just what we did behind the scenes before the internet came into play. Because Yom TV Raps was an international hit. We changed the world with Yom TV Raps. We went to St. Petersburg, Russia, with salt and pepper, right? Right. Young TV right? People That's in right. we people in did. African nations and in Japan <laughs> and in Australia learned how to speak English from Young TV raps. <laughs> we saw one yeah. black person in Russia. One black person. I think I think I think um, I like to echo T's sentiment. My biggest regret is that I wanted to hit that ten year mark because I feel like if we'd have hit that ten year mark, we'd have did something special. But at the time, you know, hip hop had started infiltrating MTV on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And they did it that way for, for a number of reasons. We know the reasons. We ain't got to delve too deep into it because, you know, hanging around in it further than that, they'd had to pay big bucks to all of us. So that's right. You know, that's you know right. what I mean? So they nipped that's it in right. the bud. They, they made a business decision. But for me, I just wish we could have lasted 10, 10 years would have been great. But we yeah. were the greatest influence on MTV at that time. We had a show called The Show. Yes. We we created, um, I mean, you name it. Which Anything became The Daily did, Show. Which became, became The Daily, the Daily show. show. Anything that you and I were on and participated with us, it became a huge hit on MTV. We met Adam Sandler when he was on Remote Control. Yes, sir. And all them, all them characters. We met Ben Stiller. Uh, what's the guy's name? Colin Dennis Quinn. Dennis Leary. Colin Quinn. Yeah. Colin, Colin Quinn. Quinn. Dennis Leary, everybody, early. Dennis Leary, everybody early came Larry. to us. And the thing is, as you said, that decade mark would have been very significant. But to be honest with you, we went a decade plus because our blessings got passed, Young TV Raps, and we went on to do an incredible morning show in New York radio history. Again, before there was Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. and all the internet stuff. And we, we were all there, man. Well, gentlemen, we're running out of time. I thank you. Can we do a part two of this very soon? Yes, Absolutely. We We're going to turn the interview on you. Oh, that's right. <laughs> nah, man. Come on, son, the podcast. So I'm, I'm the one that's, I've been blessed to know you guys for a long time. And I felt like, you know what? 
do I want to turn this thing on and just talk or do I want to interview these guys? And I'm glad yeah. I had the opportunity to interview you. There's a lot of great stuff that I wish we could have got to. There's a lot of great public enemy stories and Beastie Boys stories I want to hear from you guys. Um, I didn't really get to to the dis dissolvement of original concept and your beef with Def Jam and, and everything else. Because a lot of stuff behind the scenes that a lot of people don't get to see, you know, and they didn't get to see. We didn't really get to talk about um, us programming your MTV Raps and how that got oh, yeah. taken out of our hands and the real reason yeah. behind that. You know, we could get woke on them real quick if we yeah. want to. So I guess yeah. when we come back, man, you guys let me know when you got time and we'll do this again, man. And thank, thank y'all so much for being on my 200th episode of Come On. Yeah. Thank you, Wade. Congratulations. Thank you, Wade, for making us certified. Thank you. Y'all already know it's love, man. T-Money, I thank you so much. My brother, T450, is in full effect. Look out, for, look out for our, um, God, what's the word? Documentary. Documentary, yes. that's right. Look out, yes. look out for that. Look yep. out for the documentary forget, that's man. coming real, real soon. T, Dre, I love you so much, brother. Love you too, man. We're still certified, brother. Yes, we are. Don't forget the no TV question. show certified. That's coming too. We ain't gave up on that joint yet. All right, guys. All right, brothers. Thank y'all so much, man. The 200th episode right here in your face. Come on, son. Love y'all, bro. Thank Later. you. Come on, son. That's my shit. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by Cam Quotes and Krista Hayes. Recorded out of Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast brought to you by Ed Lover. Be sure to check out the return of Come On, Son, the web series exclusively on Patreon. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.